News Weekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah. that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast. Top Stories of the Week Atlantic Ocean 2, Human Hubris 0 Also, Rental Crisis in Canberra And a hard day for chinless misogynists everywhere All that and more on News Weekly Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. I still maintain the ocean is out to get us and we should just avoid it at all times. News now. It's a story that has gripped the world. A tragedy at sea, resulting in an avoidable loss of lives and a reminder of the unforgiving power of the ocean, even when faced with the most desperate of human desire. Now, a search and rescue operations found no new survivors, nor recovered more bodies from the boat carrying hundreds of migrants, which sank off the coast of Greece on Wednesday. No, no, not not that story. No one cares about that. No, I'm talking about the real tragedy, which was, you know, a submersible containing five people, two of whom were billionaires. They were on a tourist trip to see the Titanic. One of the billionaires and his son were Pakistanis, which has had a huge impact on the country. Thousands of miles from the Mediterranean, Pakistani families are waiting for answers. They're amongst the hundreds of migrants missing after an overcrowded boat capsized off the coast of Greece. No, not the migrants. No one cares about the migrants. Let's talk about the submersible. You know, the one that refused to comply with every possible safety regulation, was piloted by a video game controller, the owner sued an expert who tried to warn about the likelihood of catastrophic failure and then cost over $6.5 million to confirm it had actually imploded, killing everyone on board four days before when it first lost contact. Let's talk about that and how hard the governments of the world work to recover it. Greece is facing a barrage of criticism. Its Coast Guard was alerted to the stricken vessel 15 hours before it went down. This picture was taken from a Coast Guard cutter. Greece has denied claims that the fishing boat capsized during an attempted tow. Here one survivor tells the opposition leader, Alexis Tsipras, that the vessel sank after the Greek Coast Guard tried to tow it. Another man rescued gave a similar story. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's not the same. Those hundreds of people on that boat knew what they were getting into. They knew it wasn't a safe journey. The poor billionaire explorers didn't know how dangerous the Titan was. Mike Reese travelled on the Titan almost a year ago to see the Titanic wreckage. No one walks into this surprised. Before you even get on, you sign this long, long waiver that mentions possible death three times on the first page. So you know what you're getting into. Fine. You want to do this? Yeah? Yeah? You want to talk about some boat which sank, killing over 500 people, many of whom spent their families' entire savings to make the trip in the hope of escaping extreme poverty and war, most of the dead being women and children who were forced to stay in the lower decks and so never even had a chance to escape? And how their deaths couldn't be prevented because the human need to find a better life is insurmountable, especially in the face of the continuing collapse of countries like Pakistan, where a combination of extreme corruption, climate change and generational poverty has left many unable to survive 
survive to a future even worth considering? And how most developed nations like those in Europe aren't equipped to handle the mass influx of refugees either, but closing land borders with the fortress Europe mentality doesn't help as it just forces people into more extreme transport choices so that this has started happening with such alarming regularity that's not really seen as worthy of extended news coverage, nor something we have any interest in finding sustainable solutions for, given that the people who die are almost always people from poor countries and the human drama and misery involved is so immense and continuous. We have empathy fatigue just from considering. Is that, is, is that, is that what you want to talk about? Is it, huh? Is that it? Cardi B going in and popping off on the stepson of British billionaire Hamish Harding. Like you missing and mother is ready to shake at concert. That's crazy. 37-year-old Brian Saz attended a Blink-182 concert on Tuesday as his stepdad remained missing. One of five passengers aboard a submarine that set out to survey the Titanic shipwreck remains on Sunday. Yeah, I thought so. As everyone knows by now, a four-day-long search has ended for a submersible which was about as seaworthy as my 2009 Toyota Corolla, controlled by an off-brand Xbox controller built to not even withstand half the pressures it would be subjected to. The submersible, called Titan, had gone down to see the Titanic, which means in future people will go down to see the wreck of the Titanic and the Titan and also end up dying and they'll probably be on board something called the Tit. The owner and the pilot of the Titan was Stockton Rush, who had previously said, quote, safety is pure waste, and his wife is the great-great-granddaughter of two people who also died on the Titanic, because at this point, the universe is being written by a first-year creative writing student who has decided to forego all plot believability in exchange for non-stop base irony. Even two out of the five people on the Titan were Pakistanis, a billionaire businessman and his son. Just like the hundreds of families on the migrant boat were also Pakistanis because apparently we need some kind of moralistic lesson on how the inequalities of wealth are all rendered useless in the face of death and the ocean comes for one and all like some great big soggy communist. The real question isn't why someone would pay $250,000 to go down and look at a sunken ship through a porthole the size of my head, but why the search was allowed to go on for so long, costing so much money and wasting so much time. It's been revealed top-secret US Navy microphones detected the implosion days ago, just hours after the Titan set off to explore. It was heard in the general area where the submersible was when it lost communication. That information was shared with the Coast Guard, helping them to narrow their search. It's believed the crew on board died quickly. The US Navy's monitoring program is so top secret that Director James Cameron was able to find out what it heard a day after the submersible disappeared. So I was thinking implosion then, that's Monday morning. I got on the horn again with some other people tracked down some intel that was probably of a military origin, although it could have been research, because there are hydrophones all over the Atlantic, and got confirmation that there was some kind of loud noise consistent with an implosion event. That seemed to me enough confirmation that I let all of my inner circle of people know that we had lost our comrades, um, and I uh, encourage everybody to, to raise a glass in their honor on Monday. So what the fuck were all those news stories about banging noises and diminishing oxygen supply for? Dramatic tension? Three-act structure? A cruel exercise in the futility of hope? Still, at least a lesson can be learned from this. Perhaps now, billionaires will no longer waste massive resources and huge amounts of money on near-impossible joyrides. 
Astronauts who took part in the most recent mission to the International Space Station have splashed down safely off the coast of Florida. Not least because it was a commercial flight and it transported to Saudi space tourists as well as one US businessman. Maybe a stupid way to die is the perfect gift for the guy who has everything. Operation Canberossa news now. Australia's rental crisis has gotten worse over the last few months, so bad now that even foreign diplomats can't find a place to stay. A Russian official braving Canberra's harsh winter, camping out in a demountable and refusing to abandon a prime block, which the federal government has moved to seize. The Russian government has launched a high court challenge to laws designed to stop it from building a new embassy close to Parliament House in Canberra, resulting in a weird standoff where one Russian official is living in a temporary shelter on an empty plot of land and the government isn't realising this is the first time anyone has ever willingly moved to Canberra and they should celebrate this man's bravery at subjecting himself to a city with one restaurant worth eating in that counts roundabouts as a tourist attraction. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has taken this opportunity to take some swipes at the Russian government. We actually support the law. Um, Russia hasn't been real good at the law lately. I mean, technically, they're good at Russian law, which does have looser regulations around squatting on someone else's territory, whether that's a plot of land in Canberra or, you know, the Donbass region. The controversy here is how close the new embassy would be to Parliament, thus posing a spying threat. But at least for now, the government seems in no rush to see this man come in from the cold. We've dealt with a national security matter. As the PM has said, a bloke sitting on the site is not a national security threat to this country. And particularly when it's so cold <laughs> out there. I don't know. Historically, the Russians do a lot better in the cold than Australians. You could end up taking all of Canberra by winter's end. If being an unimaginative misogynist makes you a social media celebrity, then most of the guys I went to school with are about to go viral. News now. In a devastating blow to boys who've never felt the touch of a woman, notorious YouTube comment section come to life, Andrew Tate has been charged with human trafficking, rape and forming an organised crime group. Six months after he was first arrested, Andrew Tate knows his fate. The mate who loves to hate and wants to create women who are sedate and negate and berate what's innate in making them great has had a court update. His response to the charges came through social media, first saying, I'm sure this case has absolutely nothing to do with stealing my wealth, and then telling nearly 7 million Twitter followers, this isn't about whether you like me or not. This is about all of us. Today it's me, tomorrow it's you. Nobody is safe from these lies. In multiple interviews and statements now, the man who looks like what the average Perth comedian wants to be when he grows up has denied being misogynistic, a denial contradicted by the many misogynistic things he's said and done. So the only women who don't love misogynists are the women who are too ugly to get fucked by a misogynist. While awaiting trial, Tate has done what any sensible, unrepentant misogynist would do and converted to Islam. Here's Mufti Menk, a prominent Islamic scholar, celebrating that conversion. Uh, it might sound very strange, but I didn't really know who Andrew Tate was. But when, when the hype came, I obviously found out and I obviously then I, I checked him out and I was very happy at the Shahada. Obviously, who wouldn't be? I mean, we're, we're Muslimin and we're all excited. And mashallah, he, he seems like a very sincere brother and he says what he feels. That's, that means the hypocrisy factor doesn't seem to be there at all. In fact, it, it probably isn't because he says it as he thinks. That's how it comes across, alhamdulillah. So it's a good thing. And what I believe Islam would do for a brother like that is 
amazing. It would streamline his ideas. And actually, between misogynism and feminism, we have a beautiful Islam. So it's, it's a beautiful balance. So I believe that's what Islam would do to anyone who's genuine in learning. It would create a balance. And here's Andrew Tate before he converted to Islam, so he could probably find that beautiful place between misogynism and feminism, talking about what he respects about Islam. Islam fixes a lot of the problems that men are currently facing. You have to bet on Islam. Mm. The, because Muslims are intolerant. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully. The court in Romania where he's been charged hasn't yet announced a trial date, leaving teenage boys who still need their mums to pick up their wank socks with a feeling of despair that won't go away until their next scroll through Pornhub. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Oh, quick announcement, by the way. Um, for the next six to seven weeks, I will be guest hosting God Forbid on Radio National. God Forbid is a Radio National show. It's a really great show. I've been on it a couple of times um, in the past myself. It's a show about religion. Um, James Carlton, the regular host of God Forbid, is on leave for the next six weeks, so I'm filling in for him. Uh, you can listen to it on your ABC Listen app if you have that. If not, you can just find it, I think, on any podcast app really or on the ABC RN website the first episode I'm doing uh, which will be out next week I believe is all about comedy and religion and how those two intersect um, it's a really crunchy topic I love exploring it I'm working with a really cool team we're doing all the hard work and I'm just doing the voice part but it should be lots of fun so you can find that on any podcast it's called God Forbid Otherwise, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.